Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. I'm really excited for tonight. Um, I just want to confess, I don't often have, let me put it this way, I have a very loud voice. I sing very loud and over my 25 years of church, um, that I've attended, I've not often been outgunned in worship by someone next to me. And then a guy named Bunty came and sat next to me tonight. <laughs> I felt like a pea shooter at a gunfight. It was ridiculous. Just saying, confession. I don't know, it doesn't add anything to my preach, but thank you for that, Bunty. I'm going to work on it and get bigger. No, it's not a competition. But um, we're really excited what God is doing with this community, doing with us. Jump in, get stuck in, and let's see what God will do with the ordinary, average group of people who just worship an extraordinary, powerful king. And uh, tonight, I want to preach a word as we're not in a series, and we're taking opportunity to share something that God, we feel God is speaking for this time, for this church. I want to help us. I want to help you. I want to help me. And um, I want to speak into an area, and in a way that I believe will help us, if we'll listen and we'll hear, I want to speak about something called the promotable life. It's not going to sell too many books. There's another line that will probably sell more called the blessed life. And everyone loves that as I'm totally blessed. It's all good. Hashtag blessed. Get the car, get the Mercedes, get the bumper sticker and move on. But the challenges in some of those stories is sometimes there's mixed messages and challenges. And when we look at the church, it's like not everyone's getting promoted all the time. It's not every believer is getting every promotion available in their workplace. Is that happening in your life? Hasn't happened in mine. Um, it's not every team that we tried out for. We got space, we got place in the team we wanted. But when I look at the Word of God and I look at the characters in the Word of God, there is this journey they seem to go on where they seem to position themselves even in the hardest of times to allow the favor of God come upon their lives. Now the Bible does say we are blessed. Let me read from Ephesians 3. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every financial blessing in Christ. Oh, no, that's not what it says. It says every spiritual blessing. It says the fact that I get adopted as his child, that I am chosen in him before the creation of the world. I am redeemed by his blood. I am pulled into a story. I get these blessings that are poured out upon me, and they allow me to position myself before the goodness of a glorious God. I've been in Durban this week for a few days, I, I took some time out. I had a property I needed to get stuck into. Tenants have been in there, caused a bit of chaos. And I needed to just sort it out with a small gap window that I had. And I needed help. So I phoned a man named Herbert, who I was in church with many years ago. He's a skilled painter. And um, I wanted to work with him. I wanted to see him. So I phoned Herbert, and he came and helped me on day one. Day two, Herbert and I got together. We realized we're really not good at this. We need help. So Herbert phoned someone named Shingi, who I... Also used to be in church with, I only realized when he arrived on the, uh, the morning. And Shingi just stepped and started taking over. He, he had skills that were unbelievable. Tiling needed to be done. Shingi, I got this. I'll do it. I'm like, okay, what do you need? Then uh, an air co- two aircons needed to service. He heard me on the phone to the aircon guys. And, and he says, no, don't worry. I'll service the aircon. I'm like, I think we're good here. Don't worry. He's like, what? I said, Shingi's here. Bye. And... Um, and then, and then there was specific tough painting jobs, and then there was fixing of doors, and a door needed to be hung, and if you've never hung a door, it's quite a thing. 
And then I said, after the end of the day, I said, Chingy, what's going on here? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a very skilled man with multi-skilled level. What's going on? He says, well, actually, I have a, a, a senior diploma from a, a Technicon in, in, in Zimbabwe back in the day. I'm a skilled in the refrigeration industry. And I've been traveling for my work for the last two, three years, but through mismanagement of funds in the marketplace, my boss's business closed down, so I lost my job. So he went from an incredible job with privileges to, to that job to painting in my house. For two days, I didn't know that story. For two days, we worked side by side. He worked with an incredible, I can do it attitude. Please let me do it attitude. Nothing was too much to ask. And every time he just stepped up. And then I looked at this man's life and I, I've left grieving to him because I'm going, this is actually a man who has positioned himself for promotion in Christ. In an incredible way. And I'm praying for him. And, and the amazing thing is I've shared a story. I've actively gone after promotion for him. And hopefully found him something amazing for his family. But it's about actually what does it look like? Because we can shout the blessed life and promotion in Christ. But I believe as I look at almost any Bible character, there are these journeys behind the scenes that if we don't look at the timelines and look at the decisions, we miss the power in the story. Take, for example, Nehemiah. We know Nehemiah is the rebuilder of the walls, the great strategist of the rebuilding of the broken walls. What we forget was there was a little preceding time where he was an exile in a foreign land, worshiping, not worshiping, working for a foreign king. And for 12 years, every day, he came to work with a smile on his face. And on the, tw in the 12th year, on one day, he came to work sad. And the king said to him, why are you sad? What if your boss just found out you came to work sad once in 12 years? And the king says, why are you sad? And he tells him why he's sad, and he calls him to the story. And the reality is that he gets to go and... He gets resourced for that journey and gets released to go and rebuild the walls. Why? Because for 12 years, he served a foreign king in exile, laying his life down, serving with a smile on his face every day. So the moral authority was there. This journey was there. The life story was there that when the opportunity for promotion came, he was positioned for it. Does that make sense to you? I don't know. It's glorious. I look at that. I'm saying, God, I want that for my life. I want that for my friends. I believe Christians and every son and daughter of the living God should be positioned for promotion. And my position is ultimately in Christ. But I also believe there are journeys on this earth where we make decisions to position ourselves. And we have to look at the word and say, God, what does promotion look like in your word? I learned promotion in a company called Unilever. I spent nine years there. And it was a culture of competition, a culture that you were chosen to come and do something, so work everything you can, lay it all down for the company, and we will pay it back to you in time. And you would work so hard, and you would work hard enough just to get on something called the list. And every grade had the list of five people who were chosen for a list that when a job became available, only those five people were considered. So you wouldn't just work hard for your promotion, you would work hard just to get looked at for promotion. You know what it bred? It bred different cultures. Culture's like, I don't take ownership for this business because those are my three targets. And as long as I hit my three targets, your targets don't matter to me. So I'm not going to go the extra mile for you. So they preach team, 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 but you never got ownership of anyone else's story unless it's my target. You got competition. You, you, you had cultures where people would work till seven o'clock at night, even though their work was done by five, because the culture was you need to be seen working really hard. I'm just telling you, those are the cultures of this world. And 
Promotion isn't an understanding or something presented by the world. No, the Bible speaks much about promotion. We have many examples in the Word of God of what God has done. But number one, God is the one who promotes us. 1 Peter 5 says this, So be content with who you are. Can you say that to yourself? Be content with who you are. And don't put on airs. Say it. God's strong hand is on you. He'll promote you at the right time. Live carefree before God. He is most careful with you. Live carefree before your God, because He is most careful with you. So that was the message, and now I'm going to quote the King James Version, just for you. Not even the New King James. Psalm 75, verse 6. For not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south come promotion and lifting up. But God is the judge. He puts down one and lifts up another. You want to know where promotion comes from? It comes from my Father in heaven. And when I understand that, I start living for a different audience. I start making decisions that might not seem in line with the world, but very much bring Him glory. I start living for a different reason. I start plugging into different resources. I start drinking from different atmospheres. I am different. Why? Because I'm secure in the fact that God is in control. And there is a Father in heaven who is orchestrating the moving parts of my life for my best, but ultimately what for? His glory. Why does God want to promote his sons and daughters? Because he's a jealous God. That's what it says in his word. He says, I'm a jealous God. He's jealous for your love, your affection. He's also jealous for his glory. And he wants it in and through our lives. So there's a whole bunch of misconceptions about this thing of promotion. Number one, promotion comes from what I do, how hard I work, the achievements and the accomplishments I get in this life. No, well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says promotion comes from my God in heaven. And when Samuel's looking for a king, and he's looking to anoint a young man king in 1 Samuel 16, he looks across, says, this, your only, all your son says, no, well, there's another one in the field. And David comes, says, that's the one. And he explains it this way, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. There's this misconception that my promotion comes from a man, a boss, a, a lady, a, 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 a a situation, a circumstance. No, my promotion comes from God. Or promotion comes from stepping up, taking the hit, stepping into the gap. Now, there's truth to all of these things. It is about stepping up. It is about taking risks. It is about stepping out. But when we live under that understanding that the ultimate resource of my promotion is a man, a woman, a circumstance, it's far too small a ceiling. I'd rather it be in the hands of the living God. So we understand some truth about promotion, that God initiates it. I believe Psalm 23 lays out a picture that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I'll stay in his shadow all the days of my life, that when I'm planted in God, planted in his purposes, planted in his story, there's a flourishing and the potential for promotion. Get planted in relationships. You can challenge your blind spots and your self-unawareness. Plant yourself in community that can speak and challenge and guide and guard. Plant yourself. When you do that, you're positioning yourself for the promotion that heaven has for you. What does Matthew 20 tell us? Well, Jesus tells us clearly, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. You want to be promoted? 
You want to see the promotion of heaven? See, man will promote you and doors will open. Please don't tell me doors open. I can open a door. So can you. I want the heavens open. I want what God has for me. And he says in his word that you want to be first, you want to be promoted. That's fine. Become a servant. It's a challenging word to much of culture, both within and without the church. And lastly, promotion comes to good stewards. See, there's a field. Be fruitful with it. Be faithful with it. Watch what God will do. I want to look at a man named Joseph. And I want to tell you a little bit of a story. It's easy. to I like preaching about Joseph because I don't have time to do all the scripture, but many people know about his fancy coat. And, and they sing the songs. I can't remember the song. Someone's got the song. Come on, Tommy. Sing me the song in German. And, um, but he's this guy who goes on this journey, and we meet his father, and he's got 12 sons, and we meet Joseph. And the story starts out like this. Joseph has a dream. So first of all, his dad gives him the fancy coat, says to everyone, this is my favorite, my son given to me in old age, my lot, Lamaki, he's my favorite. So there's Joseph. He's got a big story behind him already, and he's the interpreter of dreams. He has a spiritual gift upon his life but wrapped up in an immature, unwise package called Joseph at 17 years old. So Joseph goes to his brother and says, you know what, guys, you're going to all bow down to me. Then he has another Jew says, you know what, guys, you and mom and dad, you're all going to bow down to me. And his brothers start to hate him, and his parents rebuke him. So his brothers come up with a plan. They say, what we're going to do is we're going to sell good old Joseph into slavery. We can't kill him, so we're going to sell him. So they sell their brother into slavery. 11, 12 years, 11 years he's in slavery. 11 years. And then in slavery, he does so well working for Potiphar. He gets promoted to the head of Potiphar's house. Only for Potiphar's wife to go, mm-mm, that looks good. And Potiphar's wife comes after him, and he pushes her away, and he pushes her away. Eventually to the point, he leaves his jacket behind. She brings a false accusation against him, and he ends up in prison. I mean, what if that was you or I? Oh, God, how have I have you forsaken me? No, he just goes to prison. He starts serving, doing what he's done before. He positions himself as a worship of the living God in prison. And he gets rises to the cream where he's running the prison on behalf of the prison warden. Until one day, the cupbearer and the baker of the king gets sent to prison because they were naughty. That's how it happened in those days when you were naughty. I told my kids that. And, um, <laughs> and they both have a dream, but no one can interpret them. But there's a man with a gift upon his life. It's always been there. The gift has always been in the life, but there's more of a mature man, more of a humbled man, more of a man who's served. He's been humbled by life's circumstances. And the one brings a dream, the cupbearer, and, and he gives him a favorable review of his dream. He says, actually, in a week's time, the king, king is going to lift up your head, and you're going to be restored. He says, that's awesome. The baker's going, I want some of that, dude. I had a dream too. He says, in three days, you're going to be impaled. If you don't know what that means, don't Google and look at images. It, it, it's, it's not a good thing. But then the cupbearer goes back to his position, serves the king two years later, Says only to us, he remembers Joseph. Joseph gets promoted from prisoner to the highest position in the land. Please don't tell me there's limitations on my life. Please don't tell me my boss's name is Larry and he's a Scrooge. Please don't tell me there's the economic crisis is on the go. I know all those things. Please tell me who God is. That my God is the God who can promote prisoners to governors of a foreign land. 
so that his purposes can come and he gets all the glory. God wants to promote his sons and daughters, but I believe it's not just a, well, do it, God. I'm over here. I'm going to sit down, do nothing, serve no one and sit because I'm a son. No, you're going to stay there for a long time. And weeds are going to grow over your legs so you can't move. You're going to get lethargic and weak. Stand up. Begin to walk, make decisions that honor God. And I'm going to give us some pointers because I can't possibly preach the whole story. But I've been hanging around Gabe Phillips, so I have three P's and three points for you tonight. Give him the praise. Give him your process and give him your preparation. Booyah! Take that, Phillips. Give him your praise. Exodus 34, I alluded to it earlier. Do not worship any other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. What's he saying? Get rid of your idols. What stirs up your fears, the things you start to protect when the pressure starts coming, get rid of them. Well, let's think about Joseph. He's in jail. What would have been an idol? Maybe freedom. He grew up daddy's favorite kid. Maybe an idol would have been self and his self-involved story. See, every person who God's promoted in his word has gone through seasons, trials, and challenges where they had to make a decision who and what they would serve, where they had to make decisions who and what they would obey. They had to make decisions who gets their praise. Every single one. Daniel. See, we love the story of Daniel in the lion's den. We think of a young man fighting off a lion, being prepared. If the lion comes to me, I'm going to take it. No, that wasn't the story. By the time Daniel in the lion's den happened, he'd been in exile for 67 years. And for 67 years, he'd worshiped the living God three times a day, every day. And now they're telling him to stop worshiping the living God? That's not going to happen. I choose to praise him. And here you've got Joseph, idols of freedom and maybe self. And he goes to Potiphar's house and, and, and he knows that if he rejects Potiphar's wife, eventually it's going to backfire on him. And obviously it makes sense. I mean, I'm just serving my master. That's not what he thought because he knew it was wrong. So he stands and he stands until eventually he has to leave that place, leaves a jacket, and he chooses to understand. And I love the way he puts it in Genesis 39 verse 9. This is the way he puts it. He says, how then could I do such a wicked thing? If he just stopped there, I would have thought he's a good man. But he carries on in the same sentence. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? He understood that the implications of his life on earth have an implication to the one he praises and the idols that will rise up in his life. He said, I choose God. I choose to praise him. I choose to give him praise. He says, and he goes from prisoner to governor in the land. Well, most people are like, well, I can't even get a promotion from my boss, Larry. I don't know why I'm choosing Larry. But when the opportunity comes, will you say what Larry wants to hear? Will you say what he wants to hear? And Joseph comes and, and, and eventually the cupbearer says, remembers him. Two years later, he's translated the cupbearer's dream. The cupbearer is in the presence of the king. The king is disturbed by a dream. He says, I need this interpreted. No one can do it. Ah, remember this guy, Joseph, in prison. So Joseph gets one chance. The other guys who mistranslated or couldn't translate his dreams, he knows that. So he's walking in. If it was me, I'd be like, I'll say anything this guy wants to hear. And the king says, can you interpret my dream? The only answer to that question is yes. Let me just tell you, that's the only answer to that question. There is no other. It's a trick question. Trick question. Wake up. Say yes. What does Joseph say? 
Genesis 41 verse 16, Joseph said, I cannot do it. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. How amazing is that? He says, actually, from the guy who had all the answers to his brothers, you're going to bow down to me. How amazing is that answer? I, I can't do it. The God of heaven will give everything. It's an incredible answer, an answer of maturity. He gives the credit for his interpretations to God. I cannot do it. And he interprets seven fat cows or seven good years and seven lean cows as years of famine coming. And then he even goes on, he goes presumptuously and says, Pharaoh, you need to put a man in place who will manage this process. And he begins to speak what this man looks like. And then he's thinking, in his mind, he's thinking, I'm going to get a better cell in prison because of this encounter. And Pharaoh goes, and I can see God all over you. And I don't worship your God, but I want his favor and takes this prisoner and makes him governor in the land. You want promotion? You want to position yourself for promotion? Praise God. In the toughest situations, Praise God. I want to tell you, number two, give him the process. We live in a shortcut, short-lived world where actually it's a challenge. And it becomes the culture of the world, becomes the culture in the church, and we have to be challenged in that by one thing and one thing alone, the Word of God. So let's look at this guy, Joseph. I would call it wisdom. Tommy would call it wisdom. <laughs> Subtle difference, just as powerful. But what about something called Wisdom. Let me make a very blunt, very honest statement of the many years in the church and many years of leadership. Some people have it and some people don't. Some people have big portions of wisdom and some people have little portions of wisdom. It's just the fact. The Bible also says in 1 Corinthians 12, actually wisdom is a gift. It's a spiritual gift, a gift of the Spirit. The Bible puts it, yeah, I'm not even going to quote that. It, it's, if you have it, awesome. But how do you know if you have it? Well, ask people around you. Look at the evidence of your life and do something that the world are not good at and the church are just as bad at. Become self-aware. Are you self-aware? See, we're very good. I, I love listening to critics of, of rugby games. But, I mean, they're talking about how slow the wing has become. Like, but you couldn't even walk upstairs. You caught a train upstairs. It's like, it's ridiculous. We're self-unaware. We're so good at judging others. We'll become self-aware. And Joseph, in his understanding, goes on a wisdom journey. He always had the spiritual gift of interpreting dreams, the one that ultimately opened up his future and released that. But the thing that he had to go on the journey was a journey of wisdom. And wisdom isn't understanding or intellection or even having, it's the ability to take all of that and translate it into decisions that lead to life and fruitfulness. And if you don't have wisdom in your life, get around people and get them in the world who do. Get them in your world. Build relationships. Tell them you need them. And when you have decisions to make, you're leading your family or whatever it is that you're making decisions about, get people with wisdom upon their life to sit in your story and engage them. And we, I, I, I mentioned this morning, I mentioned his name again, Oliver Inpanying, 21 years old, a man with a gift of wisdom upon his life. I'm just going to tell you, he's 21. It doesn't matter that he hasn't got mountains of life experience. God has gifted him. Some people grow in wisdom in a journey, but go on the journey. Start the journey because you need it. And it's an incredible asset to have. And Joseph became a governor of a nation. He didn't even know how to speak to his brothers at 17. It's not an age thing. He could have done 11 years in slavery, two years in prison, and still not had wisdom. But he chose not to because he chose to worship God, and he chose to go the process. 
What about character? And I want to challenge you tonight as I challenge myself. Develop a character that is promotable. And then leave the promotion up to God. Develop a character. Oswald Chambers puts it this way. Character in a saint means the disposition of Jesus Christ persistently manifested. It means I'm a lot like Jesus all the time when it's good or when it's bad, when it's whatever. I'm like Jesus. His character persistently manifests. You see, character matters, and I believe it's the number one evidence of the touch of God in our lives. How do you build character? How do you cultivate it in your life? I don't think you're born with it. I think you go on journeys of growth. Well, number one, thirst and hunger for righteousness. What about a hidden prayer life or pursuit of God in worship and praise and a pursuit of His Word? You want to grow in wisdom and character? Spend time in His Word. Spend time with Jesus. You want to become self-aware? Well, because stay time in the presence of God. You'll become self-aware against the glory of the one who reigns forever. Clean hands and a pure heart. Develop a servant's heart. Start serving somewhere. Find somewhere. It doesn't have to be the perfect fit. Just find somewhere to serve. And it'll be a journey of growth and character building. Become trustworthy. Become dependable. Which means manage expectations of your life. Stop saying yes to everyone and be dependable when you say yes. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. You're looking at a 17-year-old kid who started serving in church for the first time because I thought the chicks were cool. Is that too honest for some of you? And then when I was 20, I had a bucky. You know my first job at church? No one asked me to preach. I know you're shocked. I know you're shocked. Stay calm. No one asked me to lead worship. I, again, shocked. I had a bucky. So your job, Mark, will be on a Saturday night to go to Glenwood to pick up the chairs to transport them to the circus tent in Gravel. And then on a Sunday night, after everyone's finished the church, you're going to be part of the team that cleans them because it's dusty in the tent and then transports them back. And you know what you're not getting? Petrol money or a thank you. You thought you had it bad. You know what God says? I'm developing something in you. I'm putting capacity inside of you. I'm putting character. Get over what you're offended by and grow. Because I've got a story on the other side that's bigger than you could ever imagine. See, I've seen shooting stars in the church. People much more gifted than myself. With greater oratory skills and understanding of the word and speaking Greek and Hebrew. But they never allowed themselves to go on the character test. And they were just shooting stars. That shone his glory for a while. And it saddens me to think of those faces because God should have got more glory from those stories. And Joseph had this challenge and Potiphar's wife comes after him and he makes a choice in that moment, a choice that was a characterful choice, a choice that represented God, a choice where he was willing to go against the grain for God. You want to grow in character? Are you willing to go against the grain for God? Some people at school, some people at university, some people in young stages of life where there's grains that it's easy to go with the grain, but to go against the grain is tough. See, Joseph, you know what I was reading? And I read it twice, this whole story through on the plane yesterday. You know what I never saw? When he was sold into slavery, I never saw it. When he went into prison, I never saw it. Joseph never questioned God. Not once. Go look for it. Others have in the word, David did and some others did. But this guy, Joseph, he never did. He just took it that God was in control and got stuck in to the mess of the world around him and he became a blessing. And lastly, you want to 
become character-filled, you want to grow in character, well, learn something called honesty. I'm just going to become honest, brutally honest. I love this guy, Joseph, here in front of him, the cupbearer and the baker. Dream translation for you, sir. In a week, the king's going to lift up your head. Dream translation for you, sir. In three days, you're going to be impaled. I would have softened that one. Like, I see a pole. It's unclear. I think it might be kebabs at a braai. You're going to have a braai with kebabs. I would have lied. It's not like, I'm going to be the prophet, the dream interpreter. You're going to be dead in three days' time by a stick through your whole body. We laugh, but we're looking at his character and we're saying, God, teach us your ways so we can be positioned. Well, I'm telling you this, become an honest person. Make your quotes honest in tough economic times. Don't lie to get the work. It looks like that. And then you know what? We're positioning ourselves for God to do mighty things. Last point, give him your preparation. Give him your preparation. Your life is a preparation. But I'm telling you, I know some people have been in preparation for year after year, but they're not growing. Number one, I spoke about it earlier, become a faithful steward. And this is what the picture looks like for Joseph. Young man full of gifting, and the spiritual gift was always there, but there wasn't the maturity and there wasn't the character to sustain the gift. We know that. But there was something that took place. He gets sold into slavery. You know what happens in his slavery, in parts of his house? Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Oh, he must have been a good steward. He must have served well. He must have served Potiphar as his master, but served him well. And then Potiphar's wife happened. Boom, demotion, prison. Oh, let's look at Joseph in prison. Well, what happens there? So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. He's in slavery, and he serves in such a manner in his field in slavery that he gets promoted to the highest position only to get demoted because of the attack upon his life. But then even in prison, the prison warden promotes him to the highest position. And we wonder how God can take a prisoner to a governor. Because God says, will you be faithful what I've given you? Those who have been given little and are faithful will be given much. It's not just a story. It's a man's life. Are you called to lead in business? Well, stop wasting time. Start reading. Start learning. Start getting around people who've done it. Stop being too proud to learn. Get into places and rooms that are bigger than yourself where you're out of your depth and ask God for favor. Praise God in that place. Go in the process of growth. Invest in yourself. Become aware of yourself. Take whatever courses you need to do and grow and then trust God. Stop hustling and making a plan. I art from Durban. I know what it is to make a plan. I witnessed a guy bargaining on paint on sale the other day. I was like, this is amazing. The paint was 30% off and he's still asking for a discount. Only in Durban. You don't know about it. But, but I'm going, this is a miracle. But it's an amazing thing. Trust God. Stop hustling. If I just get close to that person, no, that's called the world. There will be earthly treasures. There are heavenly ones. Well, I'm just going to, if I work myself into this circle, uh, to do that, I've probably got to compromise a little bit and maybe go to a strip club with them. Or No, no, no. Praise God. Go the process and trust God in the journey. And when you allow that to happen, 
You're preparing yourself for great things. Great things. I want to say, deal with delay. Deal with delay. And I think he spent 11 years in slavery. But you know what was harder? The two years in prison. Why? Because he'd interpreted the dream of the cupbearer. And you know what it says? I love the scripture. In verse, chapter 40, verse 23, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Direct translation from the Bible. He just forgot him. And now you're sitting there. You've translated the cupbearer to the king's dream. He knows about you, and he leaves you there for two years. I think that would have been harder. You know what he doesn't do? Oh, God, where are you? That flippin' cupbearer. I'm going to get him. No, he kept serving the warden. He kept serving the prisoners. He kept praising God. He kept going the process. See, I want to tell you, Jesus said that many people are called, but few are chosen. That's what the Bible says, what Jesus says. I believe the, de the defining challenge between being called and chosen is the willingness or the preparedness to go the journey and to become prepared for the call. And when opportunity knocks, the chosen ones are ready. Their lamps are full of oil. Ready for Jesus to do a miracle because we believe he's a miracle working God. See, I believe we're called to go to higher levels for God, but our steps take us from glory to glory. Why? Not so we can get bigger cars and fancier things, and those are just the perks and the bonuses so that he can get all the glory. Check Coach Oscar smiling there. He's liking this one. See, I'm learning promotion as a father, so I start to see something of God's father, and parents will know you want your children to be promoted. So I'm going to tell you a really unimportant little story of an Anjanaya rugby player called Judah Van Pletsen, who got a letter from his coach two years ago. Still got that letter. And the letter said this, Judah, you're the smallest man with the biggest heart, but I'm dropping you. He hand wrote a letter to my boy, said, I'm dropping you to the B team because I think you'll have more fun and I think you're going to get hurt in the A team. So keep playing rugby. And my little boy is competitive. And even at under nine, he knew he was being dropped. And he doesn't speak much, but I could see it. And now two years later, he got the opportunity to play in the A team again. Last year, not one, team, not one game for the A team. And in that schools and those dynamics, it's change of friends. It's a whole bunch of things. And this year he's played in the A team, and I watched his heart swell. Only for the last two weeks of the rugby season to train with the first team. You know the first team coaches? That guy coached him under nine two years ago. He walks up to my boy and says, Judy, you kept playing. Thank you. In my heart as a father, I want my kids to be promoted. It's not about the team they play. It's about the journey they go on and the man they become. My other boy, he got two games the whole year for the D team. But God's doing a story in him too. And God's got a promotion journey for him too. It just looks different. For Shingi, man who helped me in my house, with skills and gifts upon his life. God's put something in me to find that man a, worth, a worthy job, worthy of his skill set. And I mentioned his name this morning. I've already got four offers. Because God looks after his children. It all boils down to one thing. Will you trust him? To praise him when the storm's blowing and pots of his wife is chasing you, will you trust him? To go the process when it's sore and you're sitting in jail. And it feels like no one's seeing my gifts and I'm anointed and I'm called. No, will you still trust him? Because no man can stop what God is doing. And when it seemed long, 
and there's delays, and there's a preparation period that you feel is far longer than it should be. Now, will you trust him? I love watching the Springboks last night. And a man ran on who first went on tour with the Springboks six years ago. He didn't run on the game once. He had to carry his blazer all tour. He could never put it on. And then next year he went on tour and he had to carry his blazer because he couldn't run. Last night he ran onto the field six years later and he can put his blazer on. God's got blazer moments for every one of his children. But I promise you it's going to come on the other side of us praising him, going the process in him, and going, being prepared for what he has for us. Can you stand with me? I trust you didn't hear the excitement of a preacher, but the cry of someone who wants to see every son and daughter of the living God walk in everything their Father in heaven has for them. And maybe there's disappointment in your story, and maybe, just maybe, you've been overlooked. And maybe there's words upon your life, and you feel like David's sitting out. You didn't even know there were promises upon your life. And your brothers are standing in a lineup and you're watching from a distance going, hang on, um, I think I'm part of that family too. Can we close our eyes for a second? There's a God in heaven who speaks his word over your life. He says, will you trust me? Will you praise me when it's hard? Will you go the process when everyone else is kicking out and the shooting stars are getting all the glory? And will you get yourself ready? Because you never know when I'm going to take a prisoner and make him governor. You never know. Will you speak my name in boardrooms, in classrooms, in homes? I love that. Joseph, can you translate my dream? I, I cannot do it but the God of heaven. Will you position yourself for his promotion in your life and then trust him? I feel like even now some need to repent. You need to repent of hustling, making a plan. Repent of it. Oh God, I'm, I'm making a plan. God, I trust you, but I'm just going to make all these other plans and I'm going to, no, no, he wants your praise. There'll be no other idols. See this blazing jealousy burning upon your life. And then understand behind those eyes that are blazing with jealousy for your affection is the heart of a father. Saying maybe you just feel like an undernine boy who got dropped because you're too small. Well, will you go on a journey of growing? Will you work on your skill set so you can become valuable to a team? Will you understand that that's the portion you got given, but there's a father in heaven? who anoints and skills and equips. Hey, Stu, I'm so proud of you, bro. You led worship tonight with an anointing and authority I haven't seen ever before for you, and I'm so proud. Thank you for going the journey. I think there have been many lures to go on other roads, but you've gone the journey. And you left here, no disrespect, but a young man, a boy. You've come back a man to lead. I'm so proud of you, bro. God's got journeys for us, church. And it's not always going to be pleasant. Sometimes it's going to be hard. But choose the long game. Don't be a shooting star. God wants all the glory from all your days. Jesus, we worship you. We honor you.
We give you all the praise, all the glory. You are worthy of it all.